Welcome to Job Sharing and Beyond, the future of work podcast that goes beyond the traditional nine to five. I am Karen Tischler, speaker, consultant, and host of the show, where we hear from global experts every other week to discover innovative solutions and tips on how to remain a relevant employer in the future. I am delighted to have John Adams as my guest today. John is a stay-at-work-from-home dad. He started blogging about his experiences shortly after becoming a stay-at-home dad in 2011. His blog, Dad Blog UK, is a leading UK-based parenting fatherhood, men's interest, and lifestyle blog. Blogging highlights include interviewing, among others, Malala's dad, Michael Douglas, and Steve Carroll, as well as working with Movember. The blog has won many awards, among others, the Best Dad Blog at the 2019 Online Influence Awards, as well as the European Parenting Blogs Awards 2019. John has spoken at many conferences and has made regular media appearances across TV, radio, print and online media. He recently has been selected as a LinkedIn changemaker. We will be talking about this more in our conversation. Thank you so much, John, for coming onto my show today. No, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me on, Karen. So we have a lot of people from all over the world um, listening in. Um, could you tell us where you are calling in from and in your area, what is like your favorite food or is there a particular site in your area that would be very interesting for people to know about? Okay, well, uh, I'm calling in from uh, the United Kingdom, um, which as we all know until a few months ago was a part of the European Union. Um, and I'm, I'm actually calling in from, from uh, England and I'm uh, from, uh, I'm, well these days I live in Surrey, so right underneath uh, London, which I assume most of your listeners will know of. Um, Favourite food? Well, of course, being British, um, I don't eat any British food, no British people do. Uh, I think favourite would have to be um, Indian food, curry, uh, which uh, most uh, Brits would would eat morning, noon, night. Um, as for special sites around this area, um, well, within Surrey itself, that I can think of some, but really, I'm so close to London, I would probably suggest uh, something like the Tower of London um, or the, uh, the, the Greenwich Museum. And mm -hmm. Once they're open up again, once social distancing is a thing of the past, I would definitely recommend the nat natural history and science museums thank you so much i remember a long time ago when i was living in london i really loved going to these museums and it's funny i'm actually you know calling you from surrey as well but surrey canada oh sorry about <laughs> ruby yeah, yeah yeah exactly and now you started as a dad blogger in 2012 and you wrote your book, A Modern Father and a Dad Blogger, a couple of years later. Could you please tell us more about how this all started? Well, the blog started um, because I became the, the main care of my children in 2011. I mean, it's a, ve it's a very simple story, to be honest with you. Um, 
my uh, wife's career was taking off. Um, I wasn't particularly happy in my job. Uh, we had the one daughter at the time. Mm -hmm. She was going to school, uh, so she was going to nursery, so uh, kindergarten, obviously. Mm -hmm. She was going to kindergarten. She was in five days a week, um, and we'd missed a couple of the significant moments, like first steps, because it happened in childcare. Okay. Uh, weren't particularly happy with that, uh, and so I suggested to my wife that actually I uh, give up um, uh, work and concentrate on family and home, and she carries on working full time. Um, which is what we did. I mean, it, interestingly, I can say this years later, um, I did, as I say, I worked part-time. I didn't give up work completely. Um, but other people started calling me a stay-at-home dad. As soon as I started walking, working part-time, I got called a stay-at-home dad so often, the label just stuck. Um, it was actually about another three years before I actually gave up work altogether. Um, uh, but after about a year of doing this, um, you know, being the main carer for, for, for Helen, mm -hmm. um, I, I noticed I was being invited to mother and toddler groups. I, I saw commercials for people advertising for jobs for stay-at-home mums, which with, uh, under British law is actually illegal. You cannot advertise jobs on, based on gender. Uh, mm -hmm. And... It, it, it just happened once too often and I thought right I'm going to start blogging about this because I used to be a journalist so mm -hmm. I started blogging um, about it initially just a sort of rant about the casual sexism that I faced as a man who was um, primarily a, a, a doing the childcare um, mm -hmm. at, at, at home and you're absolutely right after a while I thought I'm you know I'm missing a trick here. maybe I should look into publishing a book and totally out of the blue, I was approached by a micro-publisher, someone who, who published a few books, and she asked me if I would write a book. Um, excuse me, this, this is where the story goes slightly wrong, actually. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, she had some family issues, and she had to put out the project when I had the book, or what I thought I had the book, sort of 90% written. And so I was left kind of thinking, oh, what do I do with this? So I, I decided to go ahead and self-publish, uh -huh. um, which I did. Uh, and yeah, I mean, from a, what was very interesting was I will not be um, retiring. I've seen the nice condos you have in Vancouver. Okay. I, mm -hmm. I will not be retiring and living in one of them soon based on book sales. But when I published the book, uh, it, it, interestingly, because it wasn't so much big a stay-at-home dad, it got me masses of media coverage. I mean, it, it, mm. without actually doing that, my blog wouldn't be where it is now. Um, okay. But sorry, Karen, that's a really long answer. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> but, you know, it actually, thank you so much, it really leads well into the next question I have, because basically, you know, I was a stay-at-home mom myself for 11 years, and I'm a very, very strong believer that more widely spread flexible working methods could really help more people to stay in the professional world as well as also more easily return from unpaid care work. And so as I was reading your book, I was very curious to know how you got to interview the deputy prime minister at the time, Nick Clegg, about 
the government stands on flexible working and how you got involved in some occasional policy discussion about fathers and equality. Yeah, uh, uh, well, it, it, in some respects, there was a bit of luck there. Um, it all came about with a, a contact or two I had made on Twitter, um, mm -hmm. who at the time, uh, I should say, hello, Tim, if you listen to this, Tim Lloyd, great guy. Um, he was uh, working at the time um, for the government communication department, and he was doing some work with um, Joan Swinson, who she's got she's certainly within the uk i would she probably has got quite a, a reasonable profile internationally as well um mm -hmm. she was a government equalities minister uh -huh. um and she was she had the main responsibility actually for introducing shared parental leave mm -hmm. in the UK, which i know you have in canada right uh, you, you, uh, you in canada you've had it longer especially in quebec uh, yes. I, know, I know it's been a real success in Quebec. You, you, um, shared parental leave has been, in, as I say, kind of been in longer than it has in Britain. We had it, it started in the UK in 2015. Okay. Now, Joe Swinson and I had some dealings with each other. Um, I, you know, I went to some meetings with her to discuss various issues, uh, and with also a deputy of hers for policy discussions. I can't really tell you what was discussed, but there were uh, the various things. Um, we'll discuss there, but um, and then Nick Clegg um, was doing this this event uh, with the Deloitte, the, the professional services firm, um, and sort of through that connection, I was invited to go uh, and speak to Nick Clegg. And the interesting thing was he was very very candid um, about shared parental leave because we have not introduced the best system. Uh, in, mm -hmm. in Britain. We've basically introduced a system that the Swedes introduced 40 years ago. Right. Uh, which is essentially transferable maternity leave. So um, essentially it, it's on paper, this isn't how it works, but practically the leave is given to the mother and the mother can almost decide how much the father should have. Okay. Uh, which I know in the Canadian provinces, some provinces in the various Canadian states, you have different um, shared parental leases. I just happen to know the one in Quebec is a particularly good one. Um, mm -hmm. and, and we need to go down the Quebec line, basically, right. <laughs> uh, which we haven't got there yet. But uh, so, yes, it was through my contact with Joe Sweetson. Okay. And so now in your book, you wrote. Um, one of the things I've noticed when I became a dad was how flexible you have to be. It is essential that you adapt as your children grow and their needs change. I strongly believe that transferable business skills that one learns as an unpaid care worker are completely undervalued in the business setting. And now when you look at like the World Economic Forum and the soft skills that they say are becoming more and more important, especially in the times of AI, I think these skills are, you know, becoming even more important. And so could you share some of these transferable skills that you learned from being a stay-at-home dad? Well, I, I think actually I would go a step further. There's actually an Italian company uh, called Life Based Value um, who are now actually, they're almost like a qualification provider. 
and they are running a, a qualification that uh, you uh, and, and they've done it very well. So you can do it as a father, you can do it as a mother, uh, mm -hmm. and you basically um, they call well, what is it? But they call it they used to call it a master's in mother. Um, a master, right? Um, it, it's Ricarda, right? Ricarda. Yes, um, yes, that's right. Yes, yeah. yes, um, yes. Which, yes. Uh, and uh, which uh, yes, I can't remember the, the, the lady's second name, but um, you're absolutely right. I think which is something that I hadn't really thought about a great deal until I was introduced to life-based value. But I think it's, you're absolutely right. I mean, the skills you have to learn as a, as a, as a father or indeed as a mother, I, mean, I don't yes. know the difference. You've got a, a flexibility, uh, patience, anyone will tell you negotiation skills. Oh my word, negotiation skills. Yeah. <laughs> um, you've got all sorts of social skills uh, that, yeah that uh, you, you have to pick up. Um, I, I'm going to say timekeeping, although I think parents are generally dreadful timekeepers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, um, uh, uh, tolerance, understand, uh, yeah, understanding is a yes. huge one. I think when you start getting introduced to other people's families and the family situations they come from uh, when they have children. Uh, right. So I think there's a huge number of soft skills that you do learn. And actually, um, I'm going to give you just uh, another viewpoint on this with the whole um, corona issue, because uh, obviously yes. around the world, schools have been shut. Yes. And there's been huge focus, quite rightly, on the mental health impacts it's going to have on children. Right. Which I think is something we, we have to keep in mind. And I think that's very true. I also think that children during this era, okay, so they've had a lot of screen time. Come on, let's face it. We've all had to work at the same time. But actually, there's huge scope for children to have picked up a huge number of soft skills during this era. Yes. Uh, and and it's, I, I, we've obviously got to look at, at, the, at the, the mental health of children, the emotional health of children um, as well. But I, I think, um, you know, during corona time, as I tend to call it, kids have actually the you know, same things understanding tolerance you know timekeeping self-reliance i'm not telling you it's some panacea but i think children will probably get a lot more out of this than we realize yeah I, I i think so too and like just life skills as a whole right when you think about from gardening to baking mm -hmm. to all of these things that they typically would not have done so i think it really will serve them very well mm -hmm. in the future when they look back and um yeah and i and i try to make a point with my own children to really focus on the positive things mm -hmm. that they are experiencing to make them realize yes it is a dreadful situation for everybody mm -hmm. also it is giving them a unique situation where 10, 20, 30 years from now, they look back and say, oh, the reason I am knowledgeable or I have that skill is because of COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I fully, fully agree. Yeah, and I think the other thing as a father, actually, I would say there's, um, there is huge, 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 huge focus on what men are like with their children when they become fathers. It's actually something I find slightly irritating we don't actually, as a society uh, in the Western world, I would say, uh, actually look at what 
the contribution fathers make and the needs of the fathers when their children are in their later school years, uh, mm -hmm. or middle and later school years. Right. Uh, and when it comes to flexibility, I've got one child at the moment who is in the UK, we would say um, she's in year two of school, about to go into year three. So she's seven, she's about to turn eight. My oldest okay. daughter is uh, Helen, she's, she's 11. So she's mm -hmm. going to high school in September. Okay. And you, the two children are two completely different developmental stages. And, you know, having, having to deal with that, uh, be it as a mother or as a father, but everybody mm -hmm. thinks that mums are dealing with all this stuff. Actually, you know, dads do it too. And if you're, if you're a, well, these days I'm a work from home dad, but for, for, for a father like myself, it's on me to deal with that. You have to be flexible in dealing with those yeah. situations. No. No, I, I yeah, I, I really appreciate that. And um and it's it's you know, it's interesting that you say like a lot of the times people have still this misconception that there are just very, very few, if any, um stay-at-home dads because they might not have ever met anybody. And so when I talked to a stay-at-home dad here in Vancouver, he actually said to me, you know, please do not forget about us. Because he told me about how in his early years, he would be the only person, uh, the only dad in a, a mom and baby um, group gathering. And he said over the years, it had, you know, become that it was maybe two or three dads. And so now, in your book, you had said in the financial crisis in 2008 that it created more stay-at-home dads. Have you noticed or have you heard about more dads staying at home now because of COVID? That, you know, like, and not just like right now where everybody is like, you know, staying at home and doing remote, uh, remote work, but also maybe going forward? Uh, the short answer to that is no. Um, okay. it, it might be too early. Okay, that's true. It, it might be too early. Um, what, I mean, it's interesting what you say about remote work, what I think is going to happen. I know we're going to talk about change makers a bit later, when I think to change makers role, but um, yeah. what, uh, and there has been some academic research done already, the preliminary, for, for, <laughs> preliminary findings are just coming out now, and they are showing that fathers are, um, doing more childcare, uh, mm -hmm. uh, and they are because they are work. Many men are working remotely, and they are now at home for the first time ever. Um, right. Working hours, uh, and it is a generally positive story that men are, are much more involved than they ever have been. Yes, women are still generally carrying uh, the majority of the domestic burden, but men have never been more involved. That's the picture in the UK. Yeah. I suspect in, in nations like Australia, New Zealand, Canada, it's a probably a very similar picture. Yeah. Um, I dread to think what it's like south of your border, uh, you know, in, in the US. Yeah. That's no other story. <laughs> yeah, that I, it's, you know, I used to live in Arizona for 14 years. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, it, it is, it is very difficult. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, one of the things, and again, sort of going back to all the time you have been um, a dad at home, have you noticed that 
people, other dads or moms who were stay-at-home parents and they then tried to return back to paid work. Have you heard any stories whether that was easy for them to do or whether they you know, felt like the stigma of, oh, you were just on vacation or there is a career gap. I'm just curious if you have any personal experience there and what people do, did. Mm -hmm. Gosh, I'm trying to think now. I, I, I can't think of any disaster stories. Okay, that's good. Um, the only thing I'd say is that rather like you were saying before, that, that there aren't that many stay-at-home fathers um, and the, the media and the like do tend to exaggerate the number that are there. I mean, I, I'm sorry to have to say this, but the, there are not that many of us. Okay. Um, uh, I, I can't think of any stay-at-home dads I know. Well, no, actually, I can think of one or two who maybe have to take a year out okay. to work and then go back. For someone like myself, um, I mean, I last actually had an employer, so to speak, gosh, how many years ago? Seven years ago. Okay. Um, I, I suspect uh, I would struggle. I mean, obviously, these days I work for my own small micro yes. business. Um, I could maybe work as a consultant, as a freelancer, but I. I no, it, it worries me, the thought of having to go back into work, I think I would probably struggle. You attended a couple of conferences, among others. Um, you were um, in a returners panel discussion at the Flexible, Flexible Working Conference. And so, you know, I'd be curious to learn more what, um, you know, you found out there, what other panel members said about returning. Yeah. Um... That that was a really interesting experience because that was, uh, as, as you say, was it a, a, a panel to discuss returning to work after a period uh, mm -hmm. of um, being absent from the workforce. Right. And I was slightly taken aback, if I can be honest, to, to be on this panel, on this stage, looking out, um, to see two, all of two men, uh, in the audience and unfortunately wow. um, I knew them both personally and they were actually speakers in the, <laughs> the oh my. Um, that was all uh, women which I think I hate to say it but I think that says a lot about how yes. flexible working uh, is viewed exactly um, I was quite glad to actually take part in the panel discussion though because mm -hmm. I uh, it did give me the opportunity to actually challenge uh, a couple of uh, opinions that were there. I mean, one of the things that I actually said, um, there was this, this discussion about from the other panel members about how you could return to work. And obviously, I was the only man on, on the panel and the other women, well, some more than others, if I can be honest, were saying that what you really need is a group of supportive, like-minded friends. Uh, and actually, the, the woman directly to my right said that she had about 25 friends listed on a WhatsApp group that if she needed a child picking up from nursery school, sorry, kindergarten school, that, that mm -hmm. she could call upon them to do it, help her out. 
and I had to say to her that for a man that is unthinkable that men do not have those social connections and what I said on stage is what actually stay at home dads need is I have been told in the past to go and make dad friends what I actually need is mum friends right yeah there are not you know, I, that I have in the past, you know, kind of said to men, oh, you know, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm up in the city, I'm not going to get back at the time to school to pick up my child, do you think you could help me out do it for me? Your, your, your average full-time working father will just look at you like you're from another planet. Yeah. Now, that's not a criticism of the full-time working father. I think, um, I think, full-time working fathers do get a bad reputation uh, and very unfairly because actually the mental load of being a full-time working parent and providing financially for the father is present and it is there and there is a real genuine mental load that you feel. It's different to the mental load if you happen to be in a relationship and you are looking after uh, children and the home. I think, and I think we need to recognise that there are two different mental loads. And unfortunately, because men are generally the ones who go out and work full time, uh, men are not very good at speaking up and saying, "Yes, you know what, I've got my mental load." But anyway, I've digressed. But the point I was making to this audience was, you know, I, in the lightest possible way, to all full-time working men, you are useless to me if I have family crisis, the first I need to reach out for is a, is a, is, is a, uh, a mum, basically. Uh, and by word, this really got the audience, uh, even if I say myself, I mean, it really got them talking. They, they sort of had really been confronted with this view before. Um, but again, one of the women on the panel turned to me and said, well, what about WhatsApp? Why don't you use WhatsApp? And I said, well, yeah, that's great. I've got to be invited onto the WhatsApp groups. Uh, I, I, my kids' school now, I am on all the various uh, WhatsApp groups and Facebook pages, and I'm the only guy. There are no others. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Kate, yet again, you've asked a question I've given you a really long <laughs> No, no, but you know, I, I think this is, a, it is really important for people to hear that, you know, you clearly are the minority in, like, you know, the stay-at-home community, which in the scheme of things is not that large to start off with. So um, now there's another conference you went to in Canada, actually, the Side-by-Side -side, um, Fatherhood Conference last year. Can you um, tell me a little bit about that conference and, you know, your impressions and um, especially as it's, you know, on the other side of the um, Atlantic, you know, were there differences of opinions or thoughts that you heard there? Yeah, uh, well, what I would say is that yeah, I think you're in Canada, you, you are a, a few steps ahead of us in the UK. I mean, uh, the, uh, the conference is organized by Dad Central. Uh, mm -hmm. I was actually taking part in a panel session that was organized by Movember, the, the charity Movember, okay. which is an organization I have some history with. Uh, um, and again, it was sort of, it was a discussion about how fatherhood might look in years uh, to come. And mm -hmm. 
the, the, I mean, the questions from the, actually from the audience were much more kind of practical about, you know, had, had I met fathers who, um, you know, maybe got divorced and were struggling with the situation. And, and okay. Um, but I, what, what really struck me was actually how organised that central were and how they could actually bring in um, professionals, you know, from healthcare, social care, mental health care provision, you know, really top-notch academics, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, and the, 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 this conference is held, if, I'm, if I remember correctly, so every two years. Okay. Uh, there is nothing to rival that that I know of. Well, actually, I'm going to go a bit further. I'm going to say anywhere in Europe. Um, I don't know if the United States does or Australasia do, but I somehow doubt it. But I, I think you're actually really pioneering uh, in Canada by having this event. Um, so yeah. So in, in in Germany, I I was very lucky to attend. It's called the Feta Summit. Mm -hmm. So it's the Father Summit. It was um, this January mm -hmm. in Berlin, and so that organ it's. Um, the organization, what they do is they create father networks mm -hmm. in um, professional organizations and they work also with the Ministry of Family together. Mm -hmm. And so these father networks within organizations are basically enabling um, dads who work to um you know have their own space to be able to talk about um issues situations and just like you know support each other and by the same token because in in my mind in order to get to gender equality you really need to have both you know moms and dads and you know men and women involved so really to kind of you know uh, change the discussion inside organizations and i don't think uh, like you know by look, having looked at um the father center uh, or dad central i don't know if that is also like establishing networks of fathers within organizations i i wasn't sure did you uh, get the impression that that happened i, I think there is i'm going to say okay um but uh, well firstly i'm really pleased that that is happening yes uh, in germany i think that is uh, incredible valuable work um, and I think what I see I, I have a theory um, uh, about all of this is that men do, do not have the same social networks and social connections to call upon that uh, mothers do mm -hmm. uh, uh, and there are some huge 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 systemic uh, issues um, firstly yep. uh, boys are not raised to be social boys are raised to uh, I hesitate to use the word aggressive, but boys are raised to um, to go out and work and provide. Basically, yeah. they they are provide. We look at the way boys are raised. And the issue and this causes all sorts of issues for men in later life. They're supposed to be you know tough, able to handle all their problems, and not not need to speak about. Um, uh, which is obviously a horrendous approach to take, as I said, it's all sorts of problems in later life. But if a man becomes a stay-at-home father, if you look at the pattern that kind of follows, uh, 
women are encouraged to socialize with each other from before a baby is born okay mm -hmm. if you get that we have in, in the uk the leading organizations the national childbirth trust they will organize all sorts of events that fathers are invited along to but men they're uh, we're sort of an added extra okay? right they're nice to have uh and so women socialize at these events you know they then meet at the the kindergarten gates and they Talk right, and, and men very rarely become stay-at-home dads until after breastfeeding has finished. Obviously, right. So these social networks are already in place. Or if a man is widowed or made redundant, he may become a stay-at-home dad years later. Afterwards, yeah. women have been socialised. The same groups of women from the same national childbirth or same childbirth associations have been socialising for years and years and years and then a man has to parachute in yeah and establish himself and it, it's actually very difficult the guys leading a very lonely life if you are basically laying care of your kids and you know and john i feel all the things you just described that's why i feel it's so important that you are very outspoken and you are really like a role model because honestly if i were a young um you know dad to be i might not know where to go and now you know having your blog and being outspoken i think it really really helps and um um you do the q and a interview sections on your blog which i really appreciate and i was very you know impressed that you were talking to malala's dad because i really really feel that you know he has been such a great role model in ensuring that his daughter you know basically knows she can do anything and then i saw you know as we're talking about flexible work the interview you had with two male job sharers sam white and will mcdonald and to me that was also yet another perfect role model saying to people yes you can be a male job sharer yes it is possible for you to have flexible work so could you tell us a bit more about this especially you know having business leaders listening to our calls and wondering you know how is that possible job sharing because that's not very common here at all in canada no well actually i uh, will uh yeah, yeah, um will and sam uh uh, they actually stand out in the UK. It's not common in Britain at all. Mm -hmm. I'm told it's quite common in the Netherlands to have people of that level of job sharing. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, well, I mean, I started the Q&A series off, um, then I've always had a very loose kind of um, approach to it, to, to interview people who have some interest in uh, parenting or health mm -hmm. basically these guys uh will and sam they're they're at the director level mm -hmm. in a in a huge uh, insurance company called aviva um i think it's a multinational so it, 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 it might be under different names mm -hmm. across the world mm -hmm. uh but they 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 work at director level at aviva and they are job sharing they're basically job sharing because one of them um became a father and didn't want to go back full time so they managed to arrange their own job share now mm -hmm. Aviva is a very forward-looking company actually right. 
they so they 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 do things that they've got um they pay maternity and paternity benefits at the same kind of rates and so on. Uh, and speaking to people like that really is um, very uh, inspiring and I enjoy it. Interestingly though, when I launched the Q&A series, I, I sort of, I aimed to produce one interview a week. Mm-hmm. And for the first couple of months, I, I, I sort of looked back at all of the people I'd interviewed mm-hmm. and it just looked slightly unfortunate because they were all white middle-aged men wearing some version of a suit maybe not with a tie but you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, I back and I thought you know I'm really going to have to diversify the people I'm speaking to but the right. thing that was actually really sad was that every one of these guys I was speaking to was actually doing something really pioneering. They were right. maybe blazing a trade in childcare as a childcare worker, mm-hmm. or they were working at director level in job sharing. But I thought, right. yeah, I'm really going to have to diversify. So it's sort, it's sort of worked out its own pattern now. I mean, I speak to all sorts of people. I'm really blessed with the people who I have had a chance to speak to. And uh, Zia Doni Sabzai, um, who is Malala's dad, uh, just amazing uh, guy, actually. Um, Such a nice man. And it was only when I did that Q&A that I truly appreciated uh, his background and what he'd done. And if you are not familiar with the Malala story, uh, obviously an amazing girl. She's just graduated. From Oxford University. Right, yes, yes. In politics, philosophy, and economics, which is right. a classic Oxford degree. Um, but her, her father had been a huge campaigner yeah. for equality in education um, throughout his life. Uh, obviously, received death threats from the Taliban and all sorts during that horrendous right. era. Uh, and, uh, but just Wonderful. In fact, the other day, my daughter had to, um, was asked to uh, doing some of the online schooling and the kids had been doing it. Right. They were asked to do something about Malala. Uh, and I, I, I sent Zia um, you know, a text message saying, oh, look what my daughter's doing. And he's so good. He actually recorded a WhatsApp audio message just for my daughter. <laughs> so wonderful to see that you're studying Malala and you are such a, a, an inspiring young girl. Aww. Made that, that I can only imagine. That's just, yeah, it's, you know, I, I read about his own story and how he always felt that as a young boy, he was getting preferential treatment over his own sisters. And that's why he wanted to ensure that in his own family life, that wouldn't happen. So, yeah, so, um, yeah, it's, that's just amazing. It, it really is. Um, about job sharing, yes, um, I've interviewed um, several people about job sharing and um, Switzerland also is very, very big. In the UK, actually, um, there is Maggie Pickett, who was a job sharer mm-hmm. with the same person for 23 years. Mm-hmm. 
And they got promoted several times within these 23 years. And yeah, so I think with job sharing and I just think it needs to be much more well known because I think it is an amazing model, but it simply, I don't know, it has not in my mind received an amount of, um, you know, publicity that it should be receiving. And um, I interviewed also Sarah Horsfall of Genie B in the UK, who focuses on helping organizations to do job sharing. So, yeah, so I'm very appreciative that you had two male job sharers. Now, one question I really have been looking forward to asking you because I'm a huge LinkedIn fan. So first of all, I wanted to congratulate you on becoming a LinkedIn change maker. And then I would love to find out more of what that entails and how this all happened. Well, yes. So LinkedIn change maker. Um, I have to write a sales pitch here and say, follow me on LinkedIn. Um, you, you'll find me as John Adams, Dan Blog UK. Um, so there are seven of us, seven uh -huh. change makers. Okay. Um, and we are working with LinkedIn on a year long project to basically change the workforce. Okay. Uh, and, and, and modern working practices. And there are a variety of, of different individuals involved. Um, there's uh, an LGBT uh, campaigner who's mm -hmm. um, obviously looking to diversify right. the workforce and make it more uh, uh, you know, accessible and uh, friendly and accepting uh, of our gay friends. There is a... Um, uh, an an inclusive, uh, inclusivity uh, uh, campaigner, a uh, wonderful woman uh, who is uh, a black Muslim from um, Australia mm -hmm. uh, who is, works in engineering. Wow. And, and just wants to tear down all the barriers, and quite rightly so. Um, yep. There's a, a mental health campaigner who, mm -hmm. um, very sadly, his, his uh, brother uh, ended his own life and he's campaigning to get mental health training into mm -hmm. the space. Mm -hmm. There's another individual who's trying to get uh, businesses to, to basically stop relying so heavily on uh, single-use plastics. Um, mm -hmm. Myself, I am campaigning to make flexible working much more available to mums, dads and carers, basically. Okay. Carers possible. Uh, now, I, I, I say that I do want that applied equally, but I do have to mention that all the statistics show that if a man applies for flexible working, his request is twice as likely to be turned down as a woman's because we have this culture that by flexible working is generally for mothers and then maybe later on in life for women who are fulfilling a caring role and looking for older relatives and so on. Um, you know, uh, obviously, COVID-19 has been a horrendous experience for all of us. Yep. Um, but the one thing COVID has done, or one thing that COVID has done, is demonstrated that flexible remote working works. We had the chief executive officer of Barclays Bank um, just a couple of months ago. He said the days of having an office for 7,000 people in through, he said Barclays Bank has operated just fine with staff working from their own kitchens 
Mm-hmm. Now, it's possibly unrealistic to think that we are all going to be working from home five days a week forever, but if we can at least change things so that we are working from home two days a week, three days a week, or where feasible, the right. office is a place that we go into once a fortnight. Yeah. The lack of commute has an instant environmental exactly. uh, uh, benefits. The academic research I mentioned earlier, there's evidence that people are eating healthier. There's evidence that people are exercising more. And there is, of course, a lot of evidence that men are much more involved with their families. This, in turn, takes the pressure and burden off of women or some of the pressure and burden off of women. So we start having a bit, okay, we're not, we're not perfect. We're not no. perfect, but we start having a society where the domestic burden is that bit fairer. So I'm, I'm passionate about it. I really am. Um, and I, I just hope that LinkedIn change makers can push this change uh, and, and really see flexible work being much more active. And the beautiful thing, of course, is that we've had men working at home for months now. So hopefully that ridiculous barrier where we just assume flexible workers for women have gone, I hope, things crossed. Yeah, I mean, that that just sounds such an you know important initiative. And maybe I could give my own little, you know, pet peeve for LinkedIn or, you know, like what I find really tricky is when you look at the section where one puts like sort of the resume, so to speak, on LinkedIn, if one has been um, a stay-at-home parent or in general an unpaid caregiver, people literally sometimes spend hours deciding, should I leave a gap? Should I you know, say CEO of the house, et cetera, et cetera. But what, for example, if somebody works for a large multinational organization, they can just click and say, okay, I've worked for this big multinational um, organization. And then instantly it says, you know, so and so many other thousands of employees so one can connect. So in my mind, if the LinkedIn had some type of system where it's like, uh, you know, sort of like, quote unquote, a fake company that like, you know, it says literally unpaid care or something. And you could use that as a drop down box. A, it would, you know, systemize it much more easily, but also it would create instantaneously a much larger community on LinkedIn where people in a similar experience could, you know, communicate with each other and maybe even see within their local um, area say, oh, there are 10 other people who have gone through that experience. That That's just, you know, something I would love to see. And I know that, and if you look at my, you know, LinkedIn profile, you see it's called the Pregnancy Pass. And it's basically an ad organization in the US who tried to make that point by creating a fictitious company to allow people to, um, you know, use that but obviously you know as it's called the pregnancy pass it's it's rather limiting it you know doesn't take into account you know male um carers for example and you know but i i think from a perspective from an idea perspective i thought it was a good idea well no i mean that, that is a good idea and i am going to be as i'm setting up a uh, a linkedin community mm -hmm. where 
such matters can actually be discussed. So when I've got that up and running, Karen, I'll be coming to you and I'll be saying, get that in writing for me, uh, and then I can feed it back. Oh, that would be and the one thing I will say with my deeds with LinkedIn is, wow, do they take feedback seriously? So um, that, that's actually a really interesting uh, a point. I, I, I can't say that I've personally experienced that with LinkedIn, mm -hmm. but if I've ever tried to renew an insurance policy or something like that, then it asks for your, uh, you know, your occupation. Right. Uh, you know, try putting down that you're a male carer. Nine times out of ten, you have to go for housewife, which is a horrible phrase. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but but you're absolutely right. I feel it's like you know there is mainstream, and as soon as you're outside of what is the typical perception, right? Then, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I, so now, like, I, I could just listen to you forever, John. So I know we're coming to an end of our conversation, and I'm super appreciative that you have created such a great role model for other dads to be a stay-at-home dad with your blog and book and online present. And um, now for any business leader who is listening to the episode and, um, you know, what message do you have that you would like to live with, uh, leave with them? As far as like, you know, flexible work, being a stay-at-home parent? What a question. Um, <laughs> I, I think my, uh, my, my real message to business leaders, and I think this is the absolute perfect time to get it across because of COVID, is flexible remote working is not something to fear, okay? Um, now, I may have missed something. I may have missed news reports. I have seen absolutely nothing in the media about lost productivity over the past three months, or certainly nothing about lost productivity caused by staff working from home. Okay. I've read a lot about, you know, lost spending and so on and so forth, but nothing about staff working. Um, do not fear it. I suppose the other point I would make is uh, just reflecting what's happened over the past few months is they, they are not typical work from home patterns because parents of school aged children, or even if, if you live children are not yet school aged, there's been no childcare. Right. This has not been a typical situation. If you remove that element, that flexible working and remote work, so much easier. Trust me, <laughs> you really yeah. don't. Um, uh, and also, you have to accept the fact that staff have caring responsibilities. And I hate I hate to be gendered about this, but there is a widespread acceptance about the fact that mums and women are carers. Uh, Actually, if I put this into a UK context, 8% um, of all single parent families are headed by men. Now, that's a minority, but that's, a, that's if I remember correctly, that's in the hundreds of thousands. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's a sizable minority. You've then got to add on top of that, yeah, the, the, the stay at home dads, you've then got to add the 
divorced parents who are sharing custody, sharing wealth. So you need to accept that your families do have caring responsibilities, which is another actual fringe benefit of the COVID situation, is that this has hit employers square in the face. They've had to accept the fact that their employees are homeschooling uh, and working, which is not ideal. Not, nobody wants that. Um, and uh, the other thing I would say is, um, well, actually, I'm going to give a message to employees, if that's okay. Yes, it will yes please. It will depend on um, maybe your nation state or your state. Um, but something that I, I'm, we're always keen to get across in Britain is flexible work is actually your legal right. Mm -hmm. you, you shouldn't be thinking that your employer is doing you a favour. They're not. This be well established. Um, Sorry, going back to employees, there's one other point I, that I, I really, really should make, is that um, I've made this time and again. I am a Generation X right. man. Uh, I couldn't get the flexibility I wanted from the workforce. And I walked from the workforce. Um, now, I appreciate this is, this is an audio podcast, so your listeners can't see this, but I've got back here uh, my my wall of awards here, which I know that that's that's not meant to sound arrogant, but the, I've got various awards up here that um, that I've won. Blogging has taken me from Australia to Canada and various places in between. I've interviewed people uh, like Steve Carell and Michael Douglas. I've had a blast. I've loved it. Now, that is talent that I could have given an employer. Because right. I couldn't get flexibility, it's mine, and no one else is getting it. So I think employees need to think, be flexible, or the talented staff are going to walk. And I, I apologise, that may make me sound incredibly arrogant, but... Um, it's a point I feel that has to be made. I completely appreciate your message. And I feel also that more and more the younger generations are looking for more flexible work, even more so than maybe the previous generation X or baby boomers. And so in order to retain and attract top talent, I truly believe flexibility in many forms needs to be added to a um, you know, employee's options or choices. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, 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 the, the evidence is there already. There was yep. a, a, a study done in the UK uh, last year, I think it might, might have been the year before, done by an organisation called Daddy Life, the Millennial mm -hmm. Dad at Work report, it's called. Now, this wasn't a wide-scale study. It was a study of uh, an interview, really, with the 2000s. Yep fathers a third of the guys interviewed had left their job within a year of becoming a father because they couldn't get the flexibility they wanted and a further third were looking for another job yeah um, nothing else needs to be said <laughs> <You know>? yeah. <laughs> generation yeah. x i'm a rarity but then millennials yeah they, they won't think twice they're going to yeah. walk 
I, I agree. Now, is there anything else that we have not addressed in our interview that you would like to make sure our listeners know about? Um, well, uh, as, 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 as you're in Canada, I would just like to um, show my appreciation for Canadian pilots, because when I last flew into Canada, it was during the mother of all snowstorms. Um, Tim Horton's double double. I don't know how much he should be. You get into those things, but <laughs> the calorie count is absolutely phenomenal. Um, oh, what else can I say? Um, no, just thanks ever so much for for uh, having me on. I would say um, be flexible, enjoy parenthood. If you're not a parent and you're a carer, enjoy being a carer. And um, yeah, it's not easy. These, these things aren't, but yeah. Uh, I suppose, look, we're in Corona time. I've got to say, stay safe. Um, and, uh, yeah, look after yourself, really. Thank you so much. It, it was wonderful having you on the show. Now, the one last thing is, where can people find you? Okay, well, the blog, The Mothership. Uh, you'll find me at dadbloguk.com. Um, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, you will find me uh, at Dad Blog UK. You will also find me on TikTok. Um, oh, wow. UK. Uh, am I on any of the social media channels? Agreed, we've got to think. LinkedIn. Well, of course, I've mentioned it already. We're going to say it again. You'll find me, John Adams, Dad Blog UK. Um, uh, who knows? Who knows? Maybe next year I'll be at Dance Central again. Who knows? I'd love to be there. It was a great experience. Um, but uh, my word, that was, it, it was quite interesting being in Ottawa and seeing Ottawa working. I mean, you know, in, in, in the UK, you get you know, like a millimetre of snow and they shut the schools and everything. Right. Yeah, it certainly is different. I was in London uh, many many years ago and as you said it was like maybe a centimeter if that and basically okay. radio saying okay everybody who can stay at home please do stay at home because yeah this is not something that the system is coping very well well thank you so much again john for being on the show i so appreciate having you no no it's great thanks again karen and uh, yes um my love to canada <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We hope you gained valuable insights and new ideas. To keep listening to future episodes, please head over to iTunes or your favorite player and subscribe and give it a rating. We would very much appreciate a review and for you to share it on social media so more people can start innovating in how they offer employment. Until the next time, goodbye.